0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Chaplin Talks with me, your host, Spencer Chaplin. I want to thank every single one of you who has listened and downloaded the podcast so far. You can watch all episodes of Chaplin Talks on YouTube, together with exclusive film clips, exclusive audio clips, exclusive everything. Please do go check that out. So today's guest is a self-proclaimed avid Charlie Chaplin fan. He is also a close friend of mine. He is also a great drummer for the band, Leonard Skinnerd. He is also a very talented painter. So today, please welcome Michael Carteloni. So, uh, Michael Carteloni, thank you so much for coming on Chaplin Talks. And, thank uh, you,
1: my friend. It is so great to see
0: you. It is very nice to see you again. Can I just say I've been very excited for this interview in particular because... Uh, in case every, anyone's wondering while they're watching this, me and Michael have known each other for quite some time now.
1: over 10 years?
0: yes over yeah. 10 years and uh, not only is Michael a uh, Charlie Chaplin fan as we're going to find out but uh, I'm also a huge fan of his music so uh, <laughs> this is going to be
1: fun. Yeah. yes it is. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it too. thank you for having me on.
0: no thank you. okay so you uh, were on the last leg of a three-year farewell tour with Leonard Skinnerd, which I assume has been rescheduled. So uh, when is the last time you were at home this long and uh, how are you keeping busy?
1: Well uh, you are correct. We had just begun the third and final year of the farewell tour. Mm. We did two shows in March and then everything hit and everything stopped. So um, I have not been home this long in 25 years. <laughs> um, I will tell you regarding what is planned for Skinner. Um In essence, we have just um, been told by management, the plan is whatever we were gonna do in 2020 is just gonna happen in 2021,
0: okay.
1: hopefully. A lot of that, of course, depends on if there's a vaccine because I really don't see the, the big concert tours going back to work without a vaccine. No, of course. Um, so, God willing, there will be one, and, you know, people can um, get healthy and get safe, and we can all be going back to work. I will tell you, um, and you already know, we were supposed to play in London again I was just this, about to ask this you. <laughs> summer. Yeah, well, um, you know, in essence, they had... They've literally just taken the exact schedule and just moved it. So, you know, in early July 2021, we are tentatively going to play there. And I hope we do, because you know how much I love coming there. Take me through the early stages of
0: your career, because you have played or toured with some of the, uh, you know, some of the biggest names in music. How did you get started and how did you end up touring with these iconic people or artists?
1: Well, thank you for the compliment. Um, I will tell you that, um, I moved here to New York city when I was 22 from my hometown, Cleveland, Ohio,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it was to work with a British musician named Eddie Jobson. Um, Eddie is a keyboardist and violinist, mm-hmm. and he had been in Roxy Music, uh, Jethro Tull, He played in Frank Zappa's band for a while. And then he went on to form a British progressive rock band called UK uh, in the late 70s, and it's one of my favorite bands. So I had moved to New York to work with Eddie and uh, did so for a few years. That was just kind of a recording project. Um, Then I landed a tour with Tommy Shaw, who is the guitarist and vocalist from the band Styx. Tommy had a solo band at the time. This would have been 1987. And um, for about a year and a half toured with Tommy. That then kind of segued into Tommy and I um, forming a band called Damn Yankees with Mm. Ted Nugent and Jack Blades. Great band, by the way. Thank you. Very, very proud of the two albums that Damn Yankees recorded. Damn Yankees did very, very well. It's a multi-platinum band. And, um, Damn Yankees really was the springboard, I think, um, for me. And since then, there have been just a, a really, um, great experiences, um, with doing records with people like Peter Frampton, Cher, um, John Wetton. Uh, I'm actually on a Freddie Mercury, uh, album, but he had already passed away, but I played on the tracks, that was really Really cool. Um, And then I've had some really great touring experiences, John Fogarty, that was an amazing tour. Um, I recorded and toured with a German heavy metal band, Except, that was a blast. (laughs) Uh, And now, 22 years later, here I am, the drummer of Leonard Skinner. I was so happy to find out that we have, I have this
0: admiration for you and the music that you guys play. And then to find out as well that you're a uh,
1: Charlie Chaplin fan, uh, I've, I don't you, think do you I can... remember how the initial connection happened with us? Uh, I'll share it with the viewers. So um, Kate Guillaume who runs uh, the, the Association Chaplin office in Paris. Yeah. He, uh, she and I have been friends for, for quite a while, just kind of internet friends. Um, so Skinner was getting ready to do a tour um through the uk throughout europe yeah about a dozen years ago and um i let her know tell the family if anybody wants to come to a gig i will roll out the red carpet (laughs) and i heard back very quick very quickly well as a matter of fact charlie's grandson spencer is interested (laughs) and here we are all these years later but do I remember that you the first time you came to see us is in London? it was in London Brixton Academy oh okay yeah 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 right and uh, so
0: going back to uh, your music uh, well actually let's move on from your music because actually you're also a very talented painter artist and you came up with this simple but brilliant idea of painting your favorite album covers and portraits on drum skins, uh, am I correct? How did you get inspiration for what? How did you come up with the idea?
1: Well, I will tell you that um, about 10 years ago, I started working with um, a company called Wentworth Gallery. And I started doing shows with them and they, they handle my work. Um, it was the owner of Wentworth Gallery, a man named Michael O'Mahony, rest in peace who one day out of the blue said, have you ever painted on drum heads? And I said, no, but that's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) So it was Michael O'Mahony that suggested it because I was preparing to do my first Wentworth uh, gallery show. So I thought, okay, yeah, painting on drum heads. That's really cool. What am I going to paint? Oh, I know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll paint album covers. That would be kind of cool. So the first album cover I painted is the first album I bought, which is David Bowie, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and The Spiders from Mars. It is still my favorite album today. And you've also painted uh, this
0: really beautiful painting of my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, which you call it... Is it the blue eyes painting? Am I correct? Oh, It's just
1: called Charlie Chaplin. Oh, uh, it's just called Charlie.
0: Anyway, so he's got these beautiful blue eyes, which is really good, but I understand that you went through quite the procedure to make sure that you got the right shade of blue. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: I did. Well, um, for the people that only know of Charlie from black and white movies, um, they don't know that he had really vivid blue eyes. And, So I thought, well, this could be cool for the painting to show those vivid blue eyes within the context of the black and white tramp. So I painted Charlie to look the way he looks on black and white film, which is kind of soft and dreamy. Hmm. But then the eyes, I wanted to be hyper-realistic, full color to show that vivid blue well, there, there weren't really a lot of great pictures and or films that really could show me what blue was the right blue to use. So I reached out to your aunt, Charlie's daughter, Josephine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what I did is I found a website that makes glass eyes for like wax figures and things. Um, and I sent Josephine the website page that had all of these blue eyeballs on it. <laughs> and she, she picked out the eyeball. She said, that's the one. Oh, wow. I then ordered that glass eye. And while I was working on that Charlie Chaplin painting, I was holding that glass eye and, and painting the canvas because I wanted to be very, very specific. Oh, um, and uh, uh, I'm very proud of that painting. Thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah, no, it's a really, really nice painting. So if you haven't checked it out, where, where can they check out your, uh, where can I see pictures? Obviously, I'm going to put some up on here, but if they want to go and check out more of your artwork, where can they? Uh,
1: yes, my um, art website is is simply michaelcardelloni.com. Perfect. And when they go to the site um, and they go to the page that's specifically for the Charlie Chaplin painting, on the page there's a little video link that goes to a great segment that CNN did here in the States um, about musician um, painters and they came here to our apartment here in New York City and you literally see me on screen I'm working on that Chaplin painting I'm painting the, the Derby on camera <laughs>
0: amazing yeah I um, yeah, I'm gonna check that out for sure and uh, so Another thing is that you recorded in the old, uh, I get now you'd call it the old Chaplin Studios in, uh, in Los Angeles. So for you as, a, as an avid Chaplin fan, um, how is it being there? Would you agree that it's still more or less the same as it
1: was? It is more or less the same. Mm-hmm. They've done a wonderful job preserving the buildings. A few of the buildings have been um, uh, uh, um, given a facelift, but for the most part, when you walk on that lot, it's like going back in time. And um, I've been there many, many times. And in fact, The Damn Yankees' first album was done at the, at the time that the studio was called A&M. Mm-hmm. So a and Records owned the Chaplin lot at one point. And if you can picture from old photography or old films, they used to have the swimming pool on the grounds yeah. of the Chaplin lot. Well, that aerial photo I sent you of the Chaplin lot was taken while he was filming modern times. And that red arrow you see in the photo is pointing to a newer soundstage that they built, and they built it where the swimming pool originally was. So years later, when a and bought the lot, they converted that soundstage into the recording studio. Right next to the recording studio is the long strip of, of little kind of um, cabins, Mm -hmm. that all of the extras used for dressing rooms. And directly in front of the recording studio is a sidewalk that your grandfather walked through the wet cement wearing the tram shoes and did the walk. Amazing. So, I mean, they have purposely left things that were very important historically untouched. And um, uh, I have a friend who rents um office space he's in the film business he runs an office that is if you can picture there's a, 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 a well-known photo of charlie he's very young and he's in the film lab and he's kind of sitting on a bench and he's holding uh, Yeah, yeah yeah of course that's my friend's office and it's got that really kind of unique turkish looking window that's so cool yeah Anyway, um, I will tell you, Spencer, um, I have gone through every inch of that place um, and i 've had some amazing experiences i mean i 've been in the film vault i 've been in the screening room i 've been in the in the workshop i 've been in the big sound stage because i 've been there several times and have recorded there more than once and um, you know I have left no stone unturned. <laughs> it is an amazing thing to Experience. You need to do that at some point yeah, when you can. To. And I will tell you, um, you you feel Charlie in the air when That's you're right. on that lot.
0: I'm happy to ask you that question because of what I really wanted to know is I know if someone like you is going to go in and look at all everything possible to see, you know, yeah. what's original or not. Because right. I,
1: I'll go through and go, <laughs> you know, that leaf was not like that. <laughs> It was turned differently when Charlie was here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I love
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> so your Wikipedia, your Wikipedia page describes you as an ardent Char- Charlie Chaplin fan.
1: Ardent. Yeah. <laughs> you, want, you want to know what your um, uh, your aunt Patricia, when I was visiting Michael and Patricia, <laughs> she, Patricia said. So, tell us about this Charlie Chaplin obsession of yours. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a well read Chaplin fan. Yes, I am. Great. I I am. So uh, how did you first discover him? Uh, I was 15 years old. My school had offered a film history class and they had screened Gold Rush. And um, I mean, I had known of Chaplin because everybody knows of Chaplin. It's such an iconic name and imagery. You don't even have to have seen a film to know who he is. Um, but I was not prepared for how much I fell in love with him. Um, just sitting there watching Gold Rush, it, it cemented a lifelong uh, um, magical admiration. So I assume when,
0: uh, when I ask you if you have a favorite, sil- uh, favorite film or scene, uh, is it gonna be the Gold Rush?
1: Uh, it's not the Gold Rush. Okay. No it's hard to say one film because it's like what's your favorite beatle tune? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's too much good stuff out there. Um I will tell you um I probably do have a film that I've watched more than others. Okay. And that's The Circus. Yeah. There is something about The Circus that that I never tire of. It's you know, it's It's kind of rapid fire comedy. There's no fat in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still like Chaplin brilliantly did, still has the pathos. And that's what the people that don't know Chaplin would be surprised about, is that he had this unbelievable ability to weave you in and out of emotion. Just brilliant. Mm. Um, Yeah, I love The Circus. Love, love, love it.
0: That's funny because The Circus was probably my favorite film growing up. I think as a kid when you watch the circus it's just one of the funniest things yeah do you have all the animals uh, there's just something obviously being immersed in that circus world that
1: oh and the the scene when he's in front of that yeah exactly it's so (laughs) so good and not only
0: that as i came to find on later in life uh, that during the production the
1: the the set burned down uh, for the circus yeah the set burned down he was going through a divorce I mean, that was not a happy time for him yet. The movie is just nothing but a smile. So how would you describe Charlie
0: Chaplin to someone who has never seen his films?
1: Um, I I would say um, you you will have an unexpected experience because it's very easy to have a preconceived notion that, that a Chaplin movie is, you know, Throwing pies and a pratfall and you know the the slapstick, which is all beautiful. But um, I think I think people will be surprised about that that pathos, that that ability that he had, and his films just go so much deeper than just surface comedy. That um, that I think people would would be very happily surprised at his level of artistry. Actually, you also have one of the coolest pieces of
0: memorabilia. Tell us what you've managed to get your hands on and the story behind it.
1: Sure. So, um, you know, I am a bit of a collector. Um, and you know, once you start collecting these kind of things, you know, those auction houses find you. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's not hard finding stuff once they know about you. Um, uh, one of the things I have that's very, very cool, um, when when Charlie was with the SNA Film Company, they had um, created these these little postcard uh, um, promotional advertisements, and um, so I have one that Charlie signed. Uh, it's very very cool. But the the movie prop that I have that I'm most proud of um, is from the movie City Lights, and. It's from that wonderful scene where they have the party and someone gives Charlie a whistle and he blows the whistle and someone hits him on the back and he swallows it and then someone starts to sing so the room gets very quiet and of course, Charlie starts hiccuping and then you hear the whistle over and over, I have the whistle. Just to give you a quick history, yeah. uh, in 1947, your grandfather, um, had become friends with a French journalist. He was also a screenwriter and an actor, um, mm-hmm. Maurice Bessy. And, um, your grandfather gave Maurice Bessy, uh, a lot of really cool things. He gave him the cane that he used in modern times. Wow. He gave him the megaphone, like the director's megaphone from Verdoux, um, a couple of mustaches wow. um, and the whistle from City Lights. And when this happened, the whistle was attached to like a little property tag. And on the tag, your grandfather wrote, whistle from City Lights and signed it, Charlie Chaplin. Anyway, um, that was 1947. So fast forward, 2002, Christie's in South Kensington has an auction. And all of those things, the cane, the mustaches, the whistle, the megaphone, Mm. all those things sell at this Christie's South Kensington auction. And as it happens, these things kind of tend to circulate. So fast forward, it's now 2008. And lo and behold, the whistle is in an auction here in New York. Mm. Um, I'm looking at the catalog and they have a photograph of it. And in the description, It just says, you know, yeah, and the whistle's attached to a tag that says City Lights. And I'm reading this thinking, they don't know what that tag is. (laughs) So I win the auction. I go to the auction house in New York City in person to pick up the whistle. I wait until they hand it to me. And now I'm holding the whistle, and I say, oh, by the way, you know this, this tag? That's Chaplin's writing on the tag. And the lady, her face just went, like, she went, oh, oh, um, that's a lot more valuable now. And I said, yes, it is. (laughs) That's so funny. That was the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened, I blew the whistle. Because there was no way I was not going to blow the whistle. And here's the best part of this story. When Charlie's doing City Lights, sound technology has already happened. Charlie goes against everyone's advice and still makes City Lights a silent film because he does not want to give the Tramp a voice. Right move. But he used the sound technology to write a beautiful score and then put a bunch of sound effects for gags. And one of the sound effects was that scene. And consequently, when you see on screen charlie blow the whistle Mm -hmm. the whistle you hear is the actual whistle that i own which is really interesting the first sound associated with the tramp on screen is that whistle it's a very important piece of of hollywood history and i could not be happier to see it now let me ask you when you came to visit me in the apartment Mm -hmm. did you blow the whistle no 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 because you have
0: a you had i think you had it frames or something right I have it framed, but, but the frame is in uh, like a, no. a box where you can open it up. Oh, is it? Okay. No, we'll, we'll, we're going to do all of that. Don't That's worry. That's
1: good that you can blow the whistle. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm telling you, it is the sound on the film. I'm, I'm, it was spooky the first time I did. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's the same sound. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> and so
0: another person that you, are, that you seem to be influenced by is um, Houdini.
1: Yes. And you
0: also have a pair of his handcuffs.
1: I do. I do. It's the same. It's that same click of (laughs) auction houses.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And as I said, I mean, both these artists have clearly had an influence on you. So do you think they're similar in some
1: ways? Well, yes, they did have major influences on me. No question about it. In different ways. you know, the similarities, quite honestly, they were both trailblazers in their respective field. What Houdini did with his career, what Chaplin did with his career, they kind of like rewrote the, the game. They, they were doing things that people hadn't done. And, um, you know, they were they were the kings of their time. And that's why they are still important today. Now... I'm very happy to say that those two heroes of mine did meet. November 1915, Houdini was on a vaudeville tour of the States. He came into Los Angeles. Charlie was at the time with the S&A Film Company. Houdini was really interested in this brand new movie industry and wanted to try and tap into it. And he started going around and meeting all of these famous movie stars, your grandfather being one. And there is a great photo of the two of them together. Um, so uh, I will tell you that Houdini did dabble in the film industry and made a handful of movies. Um, Houdini was not an actor, to be, to be honest. But um, but the movies he made are important because they give you know, the Houdini fans of today, an opportunity to see him on film. Yeah. Uh, uh, even though they weren't the best movies, they're still important to us.
0: Yeah. Now,
1: I'm going to bring this back around to my um, my second career as a painter. I decided that I wanted to paint Houdini and Chaplin having a moment together. So, um, several years ago, I did a painting where... Chaplin and Houdini are sitting on a bench and in between them is my father. Yeah. And in essence, it's my three heroes together having a moment. It looks like it's a period piece, 1920s New York City kind of a look. Um, and uh, Wentworth Gallery um, has sold reproductions of that painting. People really like that painting because it it just takes on a, even if they don't know who the the main figures in the foreground are, people really um, uh, have taken fondly to that painting. There's a
0: few stories that stick out from when meeting you as well, but you told me this wonderful story uh, about reaching out to my grandmother, Una, in Switzerland.
1: Sure. Um, I wrote her a letter I was 21 years old. Um, By this time, I had been, um, you know, watching Chaplin movies nonstop for for many years. And what I had experienced was um, watching those films, um, it, it gave me a sense of humor. And it gave me an outlook on life that, that I didn't have prior. And I, in, in a way, um, I kind of felt like Chaplin movies made me a better person, truly. (laughs) And I thought, um, you know what? I would love to, if I could write Una a letter and say, thank you. Mm -hmm. So I did. And, um, uh, you know, in nineteen eighty four when I wrote the letter, there was no internet, so there, there was no way to research addresses and things but um you know, I knew she lived in 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 a very nice manoir, and I knew it was in Veve um, so I just went to the library and I found the postal code, and I just addressed it with the postal code, thinking maybe it'll get there to Veve maybe somebody at the post office will say okay i'll forward this yeah and maybe it'll actually make it to the memoir um (laughs) and apparently it did because about a month later completely unexpected i got a letter back from una and um it was so amazing spencer i i i can't tell you how powerful it was and she said that she was really she really enjoyed reading what I had to say. That I shared those sentiments with her about Charlie, and how happy she was that that's how I felt about him. And she sent me a photo that she had taken of Charlie on set during Countess Hong Kong. Oh, it was really really cool. And I know you you've seen that letter here at the in the apartment. When yes.
0: You yeah. Yeah. know. Yeah, it's it's a, pretty pretty amazing. It's a great story as well.
1: No. Yeah. Tell me,
0: what's, do you have any plans coming up? I know, like you said, everything's sort of being rescheduled. Uh, but what, what plans do you have coming up? Uh?
1: Well, um, while I'm home and probably will be for the next few months, I will continue to paint. Mm-hmm. Um, at any given time, there's a very long list of paintings I want to do in my head. Um, I'm in a position now where I can start kind of making some of them materialize. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I will continue painting and stockpiling new work to then be able to do my next batch of shows with Wentworth Gallery. Um, You know, it's been a really great experience with Wentworth. And um, uh, I will tell you, there's a couple new paintings that I've been doing that I call pixelism Mm -hmm. and In essence, those are images that I've pixelated, and uh, I just finished one the other day. So some of those images um, you can see uh, on the website, and and they're fun. Sometimes I make them harder to see. Sometimes I make them easier to see, but it's really been fun, and those have been very well received with the Wentworth customers. So for the immediate, I'm painting. um, Big picture, Skinner tour, 2021, Mm -hmm. however that takes shape. And then, uh, um, a little thing that I can just plant the seed to tell you about, I have a uh, recording project that I'm working on. Wow. Um, it's very early in the stages, but I can tell you it is going to be an album that will have a lot of special guests from very cool friends that play <laughs> in very cool bands. Uh, okay. I can't wait for that. <laughs> it's not a damn Yankees reunion, which some people might immediately go to. Oh, okay. So it's not a damn Yankees reunion. It's not, but you know, there might be a damn Yankee person on the record. I'm not saying so. Who knows?
0: <laughs> so, uh, Michael Cartaloni, thank you so much for coming on Chaplin Talks.
1: Thank you, Spencer. This was so fun. I really, really appreciate
0: it. And I can't wait till next year till you come to England again with Leonard Skinner. So,
1: <laughs> yep, I will look forward to seeing you then. If not sooner. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you.